All right, folks, welcome. This is No Bones About Wrestling. This is your host, Asa, along with Kay Fabulous. Hey. And uh, this is our show for Ring of Honor. It was March 9th, 2023. It was taped. It was from Universal Studios, Florida, in Orlando, Florida. Opening match... World Television Champion Samoa Joe putting the belt on the line against Tony Deppen. A uh, lot of striking moves from Samoa Joe in this match, as you would imagine. Uh, at one point in the match, I noted something that was out of place. Tony Deppen ran towards Samoa Joe and shouted, You're dead, Joe. And the crowd... Uh, laughed at that because obviously he was not going to be going over on Samoa Joe. But the comedy seemed really out of place in this match, if you ask me. Comedy has its place in wrestling, but it just seemed out of place in this match. Uh, match went for a good bit. Samoa Joe was in control for most of it. Uh, Joe hit the muscle buster for the three count and the pin. Gave this match three and a half bones out of five. Kay, what do you have to say about the opener? Um, I was glad to see that they gave the match some time, especially for the opening match. Um, I kind of expected it to be a quick one. Uh, was Joe just kind of squashing him? Uh, but they gave it they gave it a good bit, which I liked. Um, at one point, the uh, announcers or commentators. Uh, talked about the suddenness of Joe and I really appreciated the use of that term to describe him because he has a way of just being so still in the ring and then all of a sudden he has just like lightning quick movement except for especially for such a big man um I'm a huge Samoa Joe fan and I am glad he got to keep this belt at least uh since he lost the AW or the what was it, the T- A-W- A-W- T-N-T, T-N-T, belt. T-N-T belt, okay. Um, since he lost that the, the week before. Speaking of which, yeah, he lost the TNT belt, but this was taped before he lost the TNT title, and they had to edit around it. They did such a good job. Like, I, because you told me before I watched it that they had done that, and I, like, almost didn't believe you for a part of it, because I... Because you didn't see I, the belt. I didn't see the belt. And it I, was there. Yeah, no, and I couldn't see how he would have had it until like he like obviously like handed something to the ref like off out of the ring and so that was that was that built uh yeah it was a good match yeah it was a good opener uh after the match Samoa Joe said he runs things in ring of honor and he asked for contenders out came Mark Briscoe half of the world tag team champions uh he ran out and challenged Joe who accepted. I'm not sure if they gave a date for for that match. Do you remember? I don't... I don't remember. I would assume that it's going to be a super card of... Uh, a a super card of honor? Super card of honor, yeah. You think they're booking matches? It's on the 31st. I mean, they booked the latter match. Oh, I don't know. Uh, up next, we had the Peacock himself, Dalton Castle. Uh, there was a promo about he and the boys losing the six-man tag team titles. And Castle tells the embassy they're in for the fight of their lives. Uh, After that, uh, a six-man tag team match with the boys and Dalton Castle, one of my new favorite acts in wrestling. Uh, 
If you have not seen them, you must. Uh, they fought Cody Chun, Guillermo Rosas, and Marcus Cross. Uh, Dalton Castle. So the deal is, he's a gay character. He has rainbow uh, streaks on his trunks. And he has these uh, shaved boys who wear these uh, masquerade masks and very tight and small trunks out. Uh, and there's this, uh, this music comes, comes, comes on and they get in the ring and he wears this cape and he's dressed like a, a peacock. If a peacock were a man and then the, the boys, the shaved ones, the boys, they then, un, they, they disrobe him revealing him and his trunks, which are a bit bigger, go up like past his belly button. It's it's odd. But then they undress him, and then throughout the match, he will use them as projectiles. He will walk on them sometimes, things like that. It's a it's a strange act. He'll, uh, before he gets in the ring, he'll grab the cameraman and spin him like they're in a, like it's a love scene in a movie. It is some <laughs> entrance, I tell you. He puts on a show. Um... But throughout the match, as I mentioned, Dalton Castle was throwing the boys around. There were quite a through quite a few suplexes Dalton Castle put on the opposing team. He was an accomplished amateur wrestler, was Castle, and we saw it with the array of suplexes that he hit on Sean Rosas and Cross. Uh, his amateur background is shines through and is pretty impressive. Uh, I would be interested to see Dalton Castle in one of the purer matches, really. You know, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see him in more wrestling and, and less of a comedy act. Don't get me wrong, I love his comedy act, but it would be interesting to see him in more of a straight, if you'll excuse the word, in more of a straight match. Uh, I feel like a, calling it a comedy act... It's it so- a comedy it act. It sounds like it's belittling what he does, and I don't. I don't want people to think that's what you mean. So at one point, you know, during the match, he'll go, bring me a boy. Yeah, it's awesome. And then a boy will come in and then he'll grab him and throw him at, at one of the opponents or something like that. Uh, so we get a, quite a bit of that. And Dalton Castle hits his finisher, the bangerang, for the pinfall. This was pretty one-sided match on on the side of the boys in Dalton Castle. Gave this one three and a half bones out of five. Kay, what do you have to say about this uh, trios match here? Um, I love Dalton Castle. I love the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was kind of an odd start with, I guess with the, they were, I called them fire smacks because they were smacking each other in the chest repeatedly with both hands, like almost like like playing like patty cake on each other's chests, but like harder. Uh, and they kept yelling fire. Um, and I had never seen that before. So I thought that was a little bit of an odd start. Um, I had also not seen Dalton have the boys hit him in the stomach on the side of the ring to psych him up in the middle of a match before. Um, and, and they had like their feather fans that they were like cooling him down with. And then he had them like, like basically punch him in the stomach to try and like, like Hulk, Hulk him up, you know? Um, and so I liked it. Um, I thought the boys have really good synchronicity with each other. What's obvious that they tag. It's a strange act. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something to be seen. I, I think even it, us describing it cannot do it justice. We're trying to our best glorious. to describe yeah. it. It is. He's he's quite a character. Um, and the and the boys are twins. Uh, so I think that that kind of helps with their synchronicity as sort of like a tag team. Because we've seen them in tag matches by themselves, too. Um, oh, I had a question. Something about the what the announcers said. They mentioned uh, that there was great continuity. What does that mean in terms of wrestling? Like, I know continuity in film, where you're, like, making sure, like, if a coffee pot's half full in one scene, that it stays half full in the next scene Just when someone's the, holding it. But, with like, the what team... Is that? kind of seeing through the the game plan okay you know so like following like having an like agenda and sticking on, to it yeah okay like all the team members are working on the left arm so oh, okay okay because they said it and it just threw me off because i've really only heard that term in regards to like film and television shows and so yeah just all just, all the team members are on the same page um and then back to the match uh i found uh dalton's strength is like shocking when he does those suplexes uh like i I guess it's his hips like he has this like hip thrust movement when he does it that's like not like not like a dirty hip thrust but like he gets the power from his hips and it's just really interesting to see because it's almost like a different style than than other suplexes um and then i love the bangerang as a finisher i love the move and i love the name which the bangerang is kind of a, it's kind of a blue thunder bomb mm-hmm. type maneuver that he yeah. does a spin a spin and then a blue thunder bomb. Yeah, cool match. Uh, good to see Dalton Castle on in anywhere, but good to see mm-hmm. him on Ring of Honor here. And we'll see him again this week. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. They're getting a shot at the six man tag titles. Uh, up next, Maria Canellis Bennett, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven, the kingdom as they're known, talk about how they're on the way to tag team gold. Bennett calls out top flight. After that, Spanish Announce Project, that's Angelico and Serpentigo, accompanied by Luther, they took on the team of Rush and Dralistico, Accompanied by Jose, the assistant. Uh, in this one, Serpentigo, he tried a, a bit of comedy-based offense. Did not work on Roosh. Roosh was there to do business to inflict punishment on the Spanish Announce Project. Uh, at one point, even, Roosh got Angelico on the outside of the ring and was whipping Angelico with a power cord if you'll remember. And Serpentico also, I'm not a, a great fan of his. He's very small. Um, he tried a lot of ineffectual high-flying on the team of Roosh and Drillistico. This one ended when Drillistico hit a corkscrew destroyer and got the pin. Gave this one three and a half bones out of five. Uh, after the match, Roosh and Drillistico unmasked Serpentico uh, the great shame of any luchador. They ripped his mask and then threw it into the crowd. Okay, what did you think about this tag team match? Did you give it your a rating? Yeah, I said three and a half bones oh, out of I'm five. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I enjoyed this match a lot. Uh, I think Drillistico 
had like possibly the best mask I've ever seen. Like I thought it, it was cool. super cool. Um, the crowd was overwhelming. You want to describe like, it? Um, sure. So it was like metallic uh, in nature. It was like a silvery color, and it pulled to the back almost into like a double ponytail in th- at the top of the like the crown of the head, and then it had um, a really cool design around the mouth that looked almost like monster teeth. Uh, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Very sparkly, uh, mm, which I also cool. appreciated. It was like a hologram monster mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I loved it. Um, the crowd was overwhelmingly for the heels here. Uh, well, Serpentico and, and Helico didn't really do much, so. Well, there was also. And Helico did, had some neat chain-based offense and some, some kind of slinky getting, getting out of hold kind of stuff, but. Mm. That was about all the team did. Yeah, this was also their Ring of Honor debut, so that might be part of it. And I thought it was interesting that they noted that Serpentico uh, made history that week by being the first person to reach 100 losses in AEW. <laughs> um, Roosh and his brother were fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Roosh's chops looked brutal, mm-hmm. but then his brother started chopping people, and he like... Put even Roosh's, like, good chops to shame. Like, his his chops looked like they were going to leave you, like, bruised for, like, the next, like, week or so. Um, Roosh, former Ring of Honor world champion. Yes, yes. Um, one thing I didn't care for, which I feel like you see, I'm seeing more in, in matches. Uh, at one point, Roosh was, like, no-selling uh, Serpentico's uh, offense on him. And I feel like no selling has a place in wrestling, but for like monster sized guys, like when it's someone like Roosh is, is big, but he's not like Brian Cage big, for example, you know, or like Hobbs big. Mm-hmm. And so when they no sell someone, I feel like, just feel like it just like doesn't make them look tough. It just makes like makes the other person look bad. Makes the whole thing look kind of phony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care for that. Um, yeah, but there was great tag work by Roosh and Drillistico. Um, I love sibling tag teams, just like the boys. I feel like, the, and, and the Young Bucks, you know, like that, that relationship of growing up together, I feel like really helps make you like one unit in the ring. Um, and, and Helico's punches looked terrible. Uh, and other moves looked too gentle. From him, we've seen him before at AEW, and I've always been really impressed with him. And this was the first time that I thought, like, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't look great, you know? Um, And the only other note I have is that the match-winning Corkscrew Destroyer by Drillistico looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then Luther, who accompanied uh, Angelico and um, Serpentico. Mm Mm-hmm. He was like periodically shrieking on the side of the ring, and I found it super distracting and annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I normally am a big fan of managers and having them play a role in the match, but I was not a fan of not a fan of that at all. I hear. Didn't really add a lot. No, and it was like ear piercing shrieking. Uh, up next, we had a women's match. We had Trish Adora taking on Billy Starks. Uh, this was the first time we'd seen either of these women. Uh, Trisha Dora, kind of with a militant African uh, type gimmick. 
Billy Starks. I'm not sure what her gimmick is supposed to be. Uh, Raver, punker, riot girl, quirky girl kind of thing. Both of them really telling the the tale of their personality through their costumes. Um, I was not a, a big fan of this match. Um, a lot of clunky sequences. Trisha Dora eventually got the win after hitting the, uh, the strangely named Lariat Tubman and getting the pin on Billy Starks. Gave this one three bones out of five. Uh, Kay, what did you think about this women's contest? I enjoyed it, and I'm kind of surprised to hear that you didn't. Um, I think Adora makes a great heel. She looks like she really enjoys hurting her opponent. Um, She had a great bridging pin, followed by a bridging submission hold that I'd never seen before. The match was extremely one-sided for most of it. Um, Yeah, I, I... I can't remember Billy Stark doing much. I can't remember her doing anything. So. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I like Trisha Dora a lot. She might be one of my new people that I keep an eye out for. Mm. Uh, I would love to see her get a shot at the belt against Athena. I think that would be a great matchup. Um, yeah, I was just impressed with her character, impressed with her personality, impressed with her in the ring. thought it was a good match. All right. Uh, up next, we had a Christopher Daniels promo. Uh, the fallen angel was talking, and out came Matt Seidel, announced as his new tag team partner. And these two old dogs are going to try and show uh, the Ring of Honor guys some new tricks, so to speak. Up next, we had a, an odd one. We had Jake Christ. And one of the worst gimmicks I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> Man Scout, who was a man, a grown man dressed like a Boy Scout. And he had, he was reading like the, the Bear Scout book before the match. I mean, he had khaki shorts and, you know, calf length socks and a, a tank top and a mustache and he looked, I, I made the comment, he looked like he was a man scout, like he was scouting for men, and he was also a man scout. So his name works on two levels. Uh, they faced Slim J and Ari Davari of the Trust Busters. This one, uh, not a lot to it. Slim J picked up the win for his team when he put man scout in a submission hold. Uh, after the match, Ari Davari started talking about how he beat uh, Metalik, and Metalik run, ran down and got beat up by Slim J and Ari Davari, and Blake Christian, who had that great match with Zack Sabre Jr. last week that he lost to Sabre, uh, Blake Christian runs down chair in hand for the save. Up next, uh, the match of the week, for sure, I think we both agree on that, is the Ring of Honor Pure Championship match, with the champion Wheeler Utah defending the belt against Timothy Thatcher. 
Now, I had never seen a pure match before. Did not even know what the pure rules were until they were explained to us on the broadcast. So I'm going to try and go through them real quick. Uh, So there are three rope breaks allowed. After that, uh, there is no rope break. Uh, Closed fists are not allowed. The first one is a warning. The second closed fist is a disqualification. Also, the champion may lose the belt by disqualification or countout. So you lose, you lose. Uh, If it's a draw, uh, meaning, you know, double disqualification, double countout, double pin, uh, they go to the judges' scores. And the judges for this match were Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels, Colt Cabana, so it's nice to see him get some work. And someone named BJ Whitmer. No idea who that is. But so those are your pure rules. And these two guys put on a great wrestling match. Um, and really put to use those those rules in adding layers of drama to this match. For instance, once you've used your two rope breaks... Again, you put a a submission hold on someone, they're in it. You can get to the ropes and maybe take some some of the pressure off the hold, but the ref isn't breaking the hold for you. You need to try and get out of it or you're going to have to tap out. So that kind of of drama uh, based on the rules was was very entertaining. And, And having to see guys use actual moves and not uh, revert to punch after punch after punch, because remember, punches are disallowed. Now they can chop and karate chop and slap all day, but no punches. Um, But yeah, just seeing the way that the rules made the two men operate was very interesting. And Wheeler Yuta eventually won by submission um, to a hold I'd never seen before. I gave this one four and a half bones out of five. Just a terrific match. Uh, After the match, Wheeler Yuta said, well, first, let me get your thoughts on the match, Kay. Um, Well, first of all, it was nice that they laid out the pure championship rules at the beginning. Because I feel like we've seen them defend that belt on AEW before. Or maybe it it was a non-title match and it was just a pure champion. The belt has been on there. We've never seen them defend it on there before. Okay, because I was going to say, I I don't remember them explaining the rules, but then that would be why. Um, But I thought the rules made the match so much more interesting. And I don't know if it's just because it was something different. Um, But I really, I feel like it enhanced the match a lot. Um, I like Thatcher. Uh, I'd seen him like once before, I think. Um, he looks like he time traveled from early 1900s London. Uh, yeah, that's what we said. He looked British, but we looked him up during the match. And where was he from? I just said American wrestler. I, I don't remember the exact location. Motherfucker looks British to me. And his name is Thatcher. He <laughs> walks like a duck and talks like a duck. It's a duck. That motherfucker's British. I don't care what the internet says. It's possible the internet is wrong. I don't care what the internet says. That guy's British. um, But as far as, like, the actual match goes, I was surprised Wheeler went to a rope break right away. Like, 
the very first move that Thatcher did was to put him in a submission and Wheeler used that his first rope break immediately, which seemed like an unwise strategy, although maybe it made him stronger for the rest of the match or something. A bit of a um, panic move, maybe. Yeah, I thought... Uh, Caught off guard. It was interesting how the, the setup of the rules made it so the match was mainly grappling and submission moves. It was mm-hmm. just a totally different approach to a match, which I found fascinating. Um, I love that there's a different strategy needed to like really succeed. It made it much more interesting to watch just because I think... The announcers did a great job oh, they selling were fantastic. it. Yeah, yeah. Did a great job. Um, I said, excellent match. I loved it. Watching a match with the strategizing needed for a chess match was pretty cool. It was like... You had to be thinking three steps ahead of what your opponent was going to be doing, Mm -hmm. which was really cool to see. I loved it. Definitely matching the night for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, After the match, uh, as I said, Wheeler Yuta wins, retains his pure championship. After the match, he he starts talking about L.A. Dojo Boys, which at first I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And he said he talks about L.A. Dojo boys who like to wear their $50 tracksuits while they're doing the laundry. have no idea what that means. Out comes Clark Connors, who takes offense to Yuta's remark. Clark Connors challenges Yuta for next week. Yuta says, you're on. Uh, next, we had Aussie Open, who are... Uh, still in the in the country from uh, New Japan, I believe, is where they last were. And they took on Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, and Rhett Titus. This one, uh, we'd seen Aussie Open the last couple weeks here and there in AEW, and they've not been used well. They kind of jobbed them out, and they were in a tag team battle royal, and they got mm-hmm. eliminated very quickly. But here we saw Aussie Open get to wrestle their style. Uh, This was a hard-hitting match. Aussie Open uh, made excellent use of their tags, excellent use of their teamwork, and their style was really on display. Aussie Open won when they hit the Coriolis on Williams uh, for the pin. Gave this match four bones out of five. Kay, what did you think about this tag team match? Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the crowd was really behind the heels, which usually for the heels, so that's always good to see. Um, I thought we saw better tag work from Aussie Open. It was kind of hard to believe that Williams and Titus used to be tag team champs since they didn't really look like they operated much like a tag team, but more as like two singles wrestlers who were put together. Um, it wasn't a bad match, uh, but it didn't draw me in like I expected it to. Um, I think maybe because that first Aussie Open match we saw was when he was in a trios match with Osprey uh, on AW, and so I feel like maybe that match like elevated their skills like because of who they were in the ring with. Because I haven't seen that same level of wrestling from them since then, hmm. um, including you in didn't the- see it here because I did. I saw glimpses of it, but not yeah. sustained through the whole match. I, like I like that, like that first I match. What you're yeah. Um, and I love the Coriolis name for their finisher. Good science reference. Yeah, I'd like to see more out of Aussie Open. Up next, we had Eddie Kingston uh, making his Ring of Honor uh, match debut, taking on Ben Deho. Eddie Kingston, I go back and forth on him. Sometimes I find him amusing. Sometimes I find him irritating. 
I know he's kind of the, the internet darling now. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure how I feel about him. Uh, but this was pretty much a squash match. And Ben Dejo, I think his name is a joke, because I think a pin Dejo, I think that's the Spanish word for asshole. I don't speak Spanish. It's some some curse word in Spanish, though. Uh, but this one, Kingston pinned Dejo following a spinning back fist. After that, Eddie called out Claudio Castagnoli, the Ring of Honor World Champion, and said, uh, uh, Claudio said, Edward, a man without honor, will never be Ring of Honor champion. That was a pretty sick burn <laughs> on Kingston. Uh, Eddie then uh, stalked uh, Castagnoli through the back. So we're headed towards a collision. I'm assuming that's going to be the pay-per-view main event, Castagnoli versus Kingston for the belt. I don't really want it to be, but it kind of looks like that's the... Uh, direction in which they're headed. I would like to them to see. I would like to see them make the tag ladder match the main event. Oh yeah, yeah. The reach for the sky. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard by now, um, the the Briscoe brothers were the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I guess still are technically, <clears throat> but of course Jay Briscoe tragically dying in a car crash. So Mark Briscoe is putting up the uh, Ring of Honor tag team titles in a reach for the sky ladder match. They're going to suspend the belts above the ring. And, of course, you climb the ladder, grab the belts. It's going to be, I think they said, a three-way match. The first team announced the Lucha Brothers. Pretty awesome. I can already tell you, it doesn't matter who else is in the match. That's who I'm for. Uh, Can't (laughs) wait to see who else is added to the match, though. That should be pretty nice and will almost uh, almost assuredly be the match of the night at the pay-per-view yeah. uh, up next we had our main event for this week ring of honor uh, we had the ring of honor women's championship on the line as athena put her belt on the line against willow nightingale and this was pretty cool uh seeing two black women wrestle uh, in a main event, I tell you, when I was growing up, uh, there were women wrestlers. It was it was uncommon. There weren't any black women wrestlers, and a two black women main eventing a show. Forget about it. Never happened. So it's pretty cool that we're in an era where we can see that, um, and for them to be able to do it, not just because they're black, but because they're skilled. Is pretty cool. Um, that being said, Willow Nightingale is skilled, but she is annoying as fuck. <laughs> the noises. She is like the girl at a party who begs for attention by making all these noises, and then calls calls a boy a stalker when he pays attention to her or something like that. I mean, she she just is desperate for attention and is is annoying. And the noises that she makes throughout the match are super fucking annoying. Um, I was really cheering for Athena to beat her ass in this match. And, and in fact, she did. Uh, Athena looked pretty good here. Both women, as a matter of fact, did. Um, 
This match ended when Athena hit uh, her finisher, the O-Face, for the pin, which uh, that match, excuse me, that move, of course, that move name is an Office Space reference. And we looked it up because I found it odd that Athena had a move called the O-Face. And what was the deal with that? So I, I don't remember the wrestler's name, who she learned the move from, but that it was a, it was a move from another, from I believe a male wrestler, and his move was called the O-Face, and, and he agreed to let her use that as, his, as her finisher, but she had to keep the name. Um, and so <laughs> she, she was not the originator of the O-Face move or, or, or the name of it. Uh, but she really liked the move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Kay, what did you have to say about our main event? Did you, did you bone rate this? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, three and a half bones out of five. Oh, um, I would have given it a little more than that, but that's okay. Um, so to start with, because I always have to comment on what they're wearing, I did not like Athena's jacket. I know you did. Uh, that was cool. Yeah. She was dressed in kind of like a future punk kind of mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah. And she had this jacket that had a, a message uh, scrolling across it in electro electronic text that said, yeah. like, Ring of Honor champ Athena. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I felt like she's wearing a billboard for herself. It made her seem kind of insecure. Um, the front of the jacket had, like, rope lights on it, and I thought that was cool, but I was just not a fan of, like, the scrolling text billboard on the back. Um, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I disagree. Um, but as far as the match goes, I thought uh, there were some great punches by both ladies, which I am a fan of some good-looking punches, and they both had it, and I was very pleased to see that. Uh, Willow was definitely more impressive in this match than she was when she wrestled Lady Frost uh, the week prior. Yeah, definitely um, she was, yeah. Uh, I liked that Athena chose an arm to target, and she really stuck with it. Uh, the only thing that I really had a problem with during this match was at one point... Like, out of frustration, Athena threw, like, a two-year-old tantrum in the middle of the ring, which I thought, one, was stupid, uh, but two, it didn't make sense with her character. Like, really? it, you thought throwing a tantrum made sense with, with this, like, badass goddess sort of character? She's like a fallen goddess. Yeah. No, I could see I think I, it made sense no. with her character, yeah. I could see, I could see it making sense well, with, like, Willow's character because she's so over the top. You know, the gods and goddesses of the past were known for throwing fits and having fits of rage when they didn't get their way. So I think it totally fits with being a fallen goddess, yeah. I would see 100%. that more as, like, in ex like exhibiting signs of, like, rage rather than, like, acting like a two-year-old. Like she was, I think you could have both, and I think she oh. displayed both, so I think it was yeah. fitting with her character. Well, I'm going to just disagree with that, um, but I thought it was a good main event. Uh, I've been impressed with the women's division of Ring of Honor so far, uh, and I'm excited to see more matches from them. I'd like to see more. Uh, I've not been super thrilled with what I've seen. I thought Athena looked good here. Um... I see potential in Trisha Dora, definitely. And as much as I hate to admit it, I see some potential in Willow Nightingale. I thought Sky Blue looked good last week. I mean, I think yeah, have, she has potential yeah. as well. There's, I see potential in the Ring of Honor women's division for sure, and I uh, look forward to seeing more women and and seeing it take shape. 
Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's mediocre at worst, uh, which I'll take over being uh, just bad. Yeah. <laughs> which is that you know again I'll say growing up, I you know I grew up when still it was just you know pretty chicks fighting each other, just terrible wrestling, bathroom match wrestling, uh, just you know pulling hair and that kind of stuff. Um, well, even, so it's nice to have women who can actually wrestle nowadays. Even when I, I didn't watch wrestling growing up, I started watching it probably in like around 2010, uh, maybe a little bit before then. And even when I started watching, like when WWE was doing its like divas phase, women's wrestling still was considered like the bathroom match time. And so I just really love that women's wrestling has progressed away from that and it's nice to see that in a bigger company like ring of honor that that's that's the case now you know like where i mean you can expect good women's wrestling not just like grown worthy or eye roll worthy fighting yeah and even when uh what's cool is that it's it's spread to where even the point where we went to that independent show last month, and there was a pretty decent women's match. Oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite matches of the night. I know I liked it more than you did, but I thought, especially, uh, I think her name was Jade, maybe. Uh, I don't recall. I feel bad that I don't remember her name, but she was, I mean, there was their women's match. I was very impressed with one of them. Uh, yeah, we went to an AML, America's Most Liked Wrestling. Odd name, good company. Uh, went to their show and in Winston-Salem. Uh, last month and they had a, a pretty decent women's match but my point was that the the women's revolution as it's called and it truly has been led led largely by people like charlotte flair becky lynch of course sasha banks bailey oscar uh, oscar um you know has trickled all the way down even to local shows where again it's not just women throwing each other around by the hair. Uh, it's not just uh, hot chicks doing basic moves. Uh, it's women wrestling. And, you know, often, oftentimes uh, outperforming uh, some of the men's matches. Sometimes outperforming all the men's matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a cool thing to see. I never, never thought growing up would I ever say the best match on a card was a women's match. Never thought I would see the day. Because it just wasn't a thing when I grew up. I didn't have anything against it. Um, I mean, I would, you know, given the choice between watching half-naked women and half-naked men, I would watch the half-naked women. Uh, You know, so I didn't have anything against it. But it just was so not an option when when I was growing up as a wrestling fan. Uh, I I did not even believe I would see the day that that I'd see the the best match on a card would be a women's match, and I've seen it, you know, many times now. Like I said, largely thanks in part to people like specifically people like Charlotte Flair and Oscar, Becky Lynch, I don't think Sasha like, Banks, like china and china sure and too, uh, yeah. beth phoenix helped like pave the way for that well china was a whole different ones. deal i mean yeah. she fought men she mm-hmm. won she was the intercontinental champion yeah 
fighting men and outperforming men. She was more built than some of the men mm-hmm. in WWE. I, now, I don't know. I don't mean to sully her reputation. I assumed she was on steroids. I really have no idea. I don't mean to throw accusations. She seemed unnaturally muscular to me, personally. And I I always just assumed she was on steroids. Again, I'm basing that on nothing other than assumption. Well, I assumed, like, all of the men from that time period were on steroids. And so... I mean, steroid use was very widely spread, of mm-hmm. course. And I think may still be, but we know it was for sure for in the 90s. And, I mean, it's what killed Eddie Guerrero, you know. With all the strain on his heart. Yeah. yeah. And that's what led to his heart attack. He, mm-hmm. just, he wasn't even 40 years old, was mm-hmm. he? No. And he died. And it was after he was, like, clean. I'm not sure about that. No, it was. I watched a documentary about it. Oh, well, nonetheless. <laughs> and, of course, the steroids, you know, did hell on his body, did hell on Chris Benoit's body as well. And they were buddies, you know, shooting up the steroids together. And just sad that the guys, or, or a woman like China, if if she did it, you know, felt like they had to do those things to keep up and to make a living. That's sad to have to damage your body like that you feel like you have to do that to make a living it's sad so hopefully wrestling seems to be it's strange because it's twofold in one way i think wrestling is coming out of that era the steroid era when we're seeing more people like you know just to pick out just say uh, Adam Cole. <laughs> Seeing more people that look like Adam Cole, Orange Cassidy, mm-hmm. where they're athletic, but they're not really muscular. Mm-hmm. But then, but then for every person like that, and, I, and I'm not saying he's on steroids, but there's a, for every person like that, then there's still a Brian Cage, mm-hmm. you know, people who are just unbelievably built. So I'm not sure. The use in today's in today's wrestling, how far widespread it is. I know that the wrestlers say it's not very widespread in WWE. I don't know if they're just covering for each other or if, if that's true. I have no idea, obviously. Um, I hope it's true, but uh, I really can't say for sure. I'm sure on the independent scene, I'm sure it's still fairly widespread. I know it's a big thing in gyms. You know, a lot of guys will kind of start using steroids to get a little boost on their workout routine and then get hooked once they see the results, once they see that it works. I mean, that's why, unfortunately, that's why people get hooked on on any drug is because they work, unfortunately. They see the results and they want want to keep uh, duplicating those results. Um, What got us on the steroid talk? China. China. Because we were talking about amazing women wrestlers, and then it yeah. went, we went down a rabbit hole. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's Women's History Month, so props props to women's wrestlers and uh, the women that paved the way for the current wrestlers who are often showing men up. And all the while, AEW, uh, the rumor is that AEW is getting a new TV show, supposedly on Saturday night, mm-hmm. supposedly at 6.05, supposedly on TBS, and that 
those facts seem to be true. And now one that seems to be less certain, uh, there's a rumor that it's going to be an all-women's show. What would you think about that? I think that's a terrible idea. I think it's terrible. Why? Because the same reason I would think that an all-men's show would be terrible. Because wrestling fans should be exposed to wrestling of all genders. Because I think there's value in both, and I think by separating them, you're devaluing both of them. Well, but isn't it different when we only see one or two women's matches on on a card? So then, so then I'd rather them put more women's matches on the card then if they feel like there's women who are good enough to have a match on TV, then put them on TV. And I realize they only have a certain amount of time, but if you're adding an hour or two hour show, I think it's an hour show, um, like just use your time better, you know? Yeah. No, I, that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. Because you're not going to get... Because I think a lot of wrestling fans still don't support women's wrestling. Because I, I noticed it... Uh, is that true? I mean, really? I, I don't, I don't I feel think, like that's true. No, I, feel I think like, it is. I don't feel like that's true. I think for some people it is still the bathroom match. And I think it's because they haven't watched a women's match. Like, for a while, full disclosure, we were fast-forwarding through the women's matches of AEW... Because we watched one, didn't like what we saw, and so we assumed... Well, we watched several. We watched several, yeah. Um, didn't like what didn't we like saw. Didn't like what we saw, and so we just started skipping them, and then... Yeah. And then one day we thought, well, let's give this a try. This match looks kind of awesome as we were fast-forwarding it, and then we realized their division was not what we thought it was. And so I, I still think that there are some people who haven't given it that second chance yet. True. And I think it's evident, because after some of the women's matches, you see fans going back to their seats... And that so, being said, maybe we should go back through AEW and watch some of the women's matches, you know? Yeah. Because it have, wouldn't take that long. Yeah. Just look for the one or two per show that mm-hmm. we've missed. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have all of them, so makes makes sense. That's a good idea. I think, too, that'll help us kind of understand some of the build of, like, Jamie Hayter as a champion. And, and see Thunder Rosa. Yeah, Thunder Rosa, which and hopefully what, she'll be back soon. And one of the things that... Uh, you know, you see on that, on that, we've gotten way off the topic of Ring of Honor, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's, this has now turned into a news roundup slash discussion. Uh, you see, um, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about going back and watching women's matches. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. On, uh, on the trailer for that AEW All Access show debuting later this month, they show snippet where Dr. Britt Baker is backstage talking to the women talking about Thunder Rosa Mm -hmm. and saying oh since she's the champion all these storylines are on hold I'd like to go back and look at the matches and see what storylines were on Mm -hmm. hold because I have no idea and why because she was the champion why were the storylines on hold is that something Britt Baker was just bitching about because she wasn't the champion or was she making a legitimate point? And did that really ruin some things in AEW? Well, I think that happens anytime a significant star of the show gets injured, whatever storylines they were a part of or No, were Thunder being... Rosa was the... I know, that's what I'm saying. So Thunder Rosa got hurt. She was champion. Whatever storylines were being built around her... Oh, is that had what she was talking on... about? Yeah, yeah, that she was she, injured? That, yeah, because she was injured, they oh. had to put those those stories on hold... 
and I see. because I see. she couldn't take that part in them sense. anymore. That yeah. Makes sense. Oh, never mind. Well, folks, this has been your Ring of Honor, uh, your Ring of Honor and other stuff uh, report. Uh, I know we're late. This is this is Ring of Honor for March 9th. I'm talking to you. It's Wednesday, the fifteenth. We're going to start doing Ring of Honor. Uh, we're going to start doing it on Thursday nights and getting it up sooner, starting this Thursday. So start watching for that, and. Uh, this is Asa saying goodbye for K Fabulous. Uh, we will next see you for uh, AEW Dynamite, which will be up Wednesday night or sometime Thursday. Uh, as McFoley says, have a nice day. No bones about wrestling. Signing off. <laughs>